0: Welcome to Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, where we improve and heal all parts of our lives, most importantly, our health. Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, your life improvement series starts now. Hey friends, we are back for part two of my chat with Chris Carr. I hope you guys are ready to dive into the different areas of mourning that you may not have considered before, but now maybe you'll have a little bit more empathy for yourself and how you have been feeling. We're gonna talk a lot about feelings in this episode. Enjoy. Um, What is the name of your current book? I don't have it right here in front of me.
1: It's called, I'm not a morning person.
0: I'm not a morning person. Will you tell us about it?
1: Yeah, so the subtitle is about braving loss and grief and the big messy emotions that happen when life falls apart.
0: What inspired you to do that?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a book that really is about, you know, how do we navigate those emotions? How do we navigate those ruptures in our life when the diagnosis comes, when a loved one um, dies, when we lose our jobs, when our partner cheats on us and we get divorced? Like all of those things, the miscarriage, those are ruptures. And I think that more often than not, I'll speak for myself, you know, a big exploration of this book is learning how to, Welcome some of those emotions home to ourselves because, again, those are that's information, right? And so, for me, grief was the one emotion I never wanted to go near because I thought that if I touched it, it would take me under. Mm. And what I realized as a result of this four and a half year journey of this particular experience, that's a through line in the book, is that this was the master healer emotion. So I often say that the first part of my career was really about focusing on what you're eating and me and the people that I was teaching. And this time in my life right now is really about focusing what's eating me. And that's the holistic experience. But if there were certain hot spots that I wasn't willing to touch or go near, those are the places that I had to go through.
0: Some examples or an example? Well, possible? my dad,
1: It you know, it really started, for example, with okay, this sort of perfect storm is when it took place. Um, and my dad was diagnosed with terminal cancer. I was coming up against my 20-year anniversary of living with cancer. We were in a global pandemic. I made very um, intentional choices to slow parts of my business down so that I could be more present with my family. So that affected our income and, you know, over a lot of things. So it was all happening at once. And it was that that made me go, I got to survive this storm. I didn't realize that it actually could get stormier, but it is. And um, I was terrified of losing him. And all of that kicked up. He's my adopted father. So all of that kicked up this old trauma. In me of abandoned, deep abandonment and, and unresolved wounds from the past with my biological father, and my therapist at the time said something that was so profound and kind of the catalyst for writing this book. She said that when the grief train pulls into the station, it brings all the cars. Oh, uh-huh. oh! Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, "Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> They're here.
0: What do I do? (laughs) Yeah, we don't have enough parking space.
1: (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So So weed through it. Chapter in the book is basically dedicated to a different emotion or an experience that you may go through when the rug gets pulled out from under you.
0: And it will. That's life. That's life. What was, did you have, um, A modality that helped you with the parked cars?
1: It wasn't one thing. It was a lot of what I, you know, what we're even talking about. Um, But I would say that because my father's um, diagnosis was very aggressive. And so I had to um, kind of dig deep in my own life to make sure that I was Definitely practicing what I was preaching and doing my best to not only practice self care and take care of myself, but going back to therapy was a huge um, thing for me because, as I said, it's so interconnected. You know, sometimes when you're hit strong by grief, your other griefs come up and you say, I thought I was over that. I was in so much work on that. Are you freaking kidding me? This is right, <laughs> right now. <laughs> And so that was very helpful for me for a period of time. Medication was helpful for me because I'm very, very familiar with anxiety. It's probably, I can't write about it well, Um, but it was so much to handle all at once. And that was something that was useful for me. And I, I don't say that because, you know, I suggest that everybody do that. It was just, I'm sharing what I needed at the time to sort of, you know, create kind of a baseline of coping for myself in addition to, you know, the self-care practices that I was using. Um, But it was also a time of great growth. Like you were saying earlier, you know, I was actively a part of my father's experience of dying and that transition and those conversations Mm -hmm. and all of the deep healing places that we were able to go to. And what I've gotten as a result of that process, I realized that like, you know, the the saying that grief and love go hand in hand and the amount of love that I was able to experience, the amount of love that was brought into our relationship, the amount of fully alive living that I was reawakened to and awakened to at such a deeper level that will never leave me, um, has shifted me beyond anything that I've ever
0: I went through all of it with my mom too, so I, I, I'm I, sure we could talk about that forever. Um, and I got to the place probably six months after she passed where the anxiety was so intense and I just couldn't handle I was like, I've white knuckled this enough. I called the doctor. I said, I need medication. And that's when Dr. Joe came into my life. So I had the medication at CVS. (laughs) (laughs) I started Dr. Joe not knowing what was going to happen. And Chris, in three days of doing his formula course, his entry-level course, the anxiety disappeared and never came back. Mm -hmm. I never needed to get the medication, but I knew that might be my only hope in those moments. Um, and then when I went to his retreats, I heard a lot of people say the same thing, like in three days, my anxiety was gone. I'm like, oh, maybe there's something to this whole three days. Um, but I get that. I wonder what, what did you learn in
1: therapy that helped you through that? You know, it's not one thing. Um, I would say what I was saying earlier was just kind of learning to normalize these emotions, right? So. what I didn't know or what I wasn't prepared for, there's a chapter in my book called Becoming Unbecoming. And I joke because my grandmother used to say, you know, certain behaviors were unbecoming for ladies. Hmm. (laughs) Crying, getting angry, like real basic emotions that are actually quite healthy. And um, you just didn't know then. (laughs) She didn't. She didn't. Bless her. Different time. But There were so many other emotions that were coming up for me that I write about um, in the book and anger, anger is one of them. Shame was another one and not understanding how, when big experiences happen in our lives, that the big, messy emotions accompany them and that our opportunity is to actually become more emotionally literate and to learn how to care for these emotions as if they're parts of ourselves as if they are indicator emotions leading us to places in our psyche or our souls that are crying for healing. Like what? And that was a big shift. And that's really what I think the vast majority of the book is about. Um, and all of that work opens us up to living fully.
0: Yeah. Do you have an example of that
1: of one of the emotions. Yeah. Um, well, I would say grief. I mean, I'll I'll just talk about grief first and foremost, because I knew at a certain point that there was nothing I could do to hold back the dam. Um, and my father wanted to talk about dying and I was so afraid to get it wrong. There's a chapter in the book called Awkward Times, Awkward People. And it's like... <laughs> the things that people say Mm. or the things that we say, because we're really uncomfortable and we don't know what to do. And we're a grief literate, messy, messy emotions averse society, right? We don't come here with information or an owner's manual about this Mm. stuff. And he wanted to have some of those conversations and I was so afraid to get it wrong. Um, And I put them off and put them off. And you know, I would run faster or do something else or control some other area of my life or try to control an area of his life, um, like what he was eating, what he was doing and all this kind of stuff, as opposed to really sitting with and being with what was actually happening, what he actually wanted. And when I talked about this with my therapist, she said, why don't you start by talking about talking about it, right? You're gonna have like a little dress rehearsal here. It's a pre-show warm up." And you can tell him how you feel and what might happen. And that's exactly what I did. I said, I'm scared. I'm probably going to get this wrong. I know I'm going to cry, but I love you. And if this is something that would be helpful, I want to show up for it. And he was so grateful because as he shared with me, it's very lonely when the rest of the world is moving on and everybody's too afraid to talk about the fact that you're dying.
0: Yeah. Ugh. I remember when my mom, when my mom's tumor came back and, you know, I was her quarterback. So I had to stay calm in the pocket (laughs) like Tom Brady. And I wasn't calm in the pocket this time. This time I was scared and I was like, shit. And I had different therapists that were like, Maria, you can be a daughter. And, um, and I was like, okay. And they were like, you can go tell her you're scared. And so I left my therapy session on my zoom and I went downstairs and I sat next to my mom and I just lost it. I'm like, I'm scared. I don't want you to freak out. I'll still take care of you and I'll still be cool and calm. But right now I just, I need to let you know, I'm scared. And she was like, it's okay. She's like, we don't know what's going to happen. And it it was great because we got to have that conversation and I got to let it out because it's so hard to have to be the strong one all the time. And and they do need to be able to talk about it. So, so when my mom, <clears throat> later in the journey, when we knew we were probably at the end, her tumor had grown so big, she had gotten COVID, and we couldn't give her the chemo, so the tumor just grew out of control, and we knew we were in our final stages, I would say to her, I'm like, Mom, you've been a miracle all this time. Who knows what? the ending to the story is going to be. So we live in possibility. We live in hope. We do what we can. And then we leave the rest to God. And so we would have conversations because my friend is John Edward, the psychic. And he's like, you need more conversations with her. I'm like, I felt like I had them. He goes, no, more, more. And so he kept pushing me. And I'm really grateful because I even had to muster up the courage to apologize. For the mm-hmm. moments I was short, for the moments I was mean and and stressed and just fearful and just, you know, I had them. I couldn't, I couldn't get past it. And every single day, I am so grateful that I had the balls to say it because, and I filmed it because I go back to it all the time. The second I'll have a little moment where I'm like, oh, why did I do that? I'm like, oh, she forgave me already.
1: Mm-hmm. We're good.
0: We're clean. And, you know, cause you're not going to have a perfect journey with somebody taking care of them for five years. It's not going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. Cause people would message me and they're like, Oh my God, you're so inspiring. Look at what you're doing with your mom. I'm like, no, no, no. There's dark sides too. <laughs> Just know we're all going through it. It's not perfect. It's not, you know, it's not always sunshine and rainbows. I know you're seeing a lot of that, but you're not going to see the, the rougher times, but you know, and mourning, um, happens years before they even die my mom I was mourning her years before she died because I was afraid I didn't know what was coming and so you start to mourn I didn't know why I was so depressed and my husband was like Maria you're mourning your mom because you're seeing the stages of her deterioration Mm -hmm. yes she's alive yes the tumor has shrunk but she's she's deteriorating you're seeing it so that's a whole other part of mourning too
1: A hundred percent. And I write about that, which is anticipatory grief, you know, which to me was something I didn't know about. I, again, knew very little about this topic. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot about a lot of topics when it comes to wellness. And yet this was a big hole in my education. And you said it so beautifully. It happens long before the loss actually happens. But oftentimes we, as the people going through it, and wonder what's wrong with us. And for me, I would also go to this place of am I going to do some dark manifesting? Like if I start to think about his death, and I might have been in the room with him at that time, we might have been in the full conversation, and I'm thinking there's going to be a time when he's not here having this conversation with me. Am I bringing this on? You know, it's like all the kind of uh, you know, new age ideas that can go south when we're not aware of the normal phases of the grieving process.
0: Yeah, overthinking. It's hard. Bonus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your
1: favorite flavors today.
0: Minus the sweet chili.
1: Um, Yeah, or thinking we're doing it wrong and feeling guilty about it. You know, I I felt guilty that I was... I was experiencing grief while he was still alive. Hmm.
0: I uh, I can feel that for sure. Yeah. It's um, it's a really hard journey. You know, when people would lose their dogs because we had gone through that, I would instantly reach out and say, "Okay, here's what you're gonna feel. Just so you know, it's gonna feel like a Mack truck is rolling over your chest incessantly and and ruthlessly, and then." you're going to need a break. And then the Mack truck's going to come back. And then you're going to go to dinner and you're going to be fine. And then you're going to come back in the back. Like I knew with animals and we'd gone through other losses, but your parents is a whole other level. And so I don't think you can really be prepared for that, but knowing about anticipatory grief, I like your coining of it, um, is helpful to understand where you're at in all of it. and. uh and, and just kind of being aware of it. Yeah. So, um, one thing I want to go back on because my, uh, husband is pointing it out and he loves this topic, but he also knows it's something that we as women really need to know more about was shame and guilt. And I'd love to hear kind of how you've moved through those emotions in reference to everything, whether it's your own health, how well you're doing in your health journey, how well you're doing in your life journey as a woman.
1: Um, yeah. I'm coming back to the idea that all of our emotions are information, right? And so when those things came come up for us, I love Brene Brown's definition of shame and guilt, which is guilt saying I did something wrong, shame saying I am wrong. The very nature of me, the essence of me is wrong, right? And so when those emotions come up, what, what are underneath them? And how can I bring compassion to myself in those moments? Because sure, there's going to be times where we feel them 100%. We can't, amputate any of our emotions and expect to be whole i have tried it does not work (laughs) it's unfortunate Yeah, (laughs) but can we become more aware of them in the moment and can we bring more compassion to ourselves through lots of different things one of the things that will help me is changing my focus right how do i change this channel Can I go out and do a workout? Can I go for a walk? Can I talk to somebody? Can I call my therapist? Can I sit and journal? Can I be curious more than anything? Because that curiosity will oftentimes lead breadcrumbs back to what's actually under the surface and what's really going on, right? Maybe what is really going on in that moment is I'm so angry with myself that I was impatient with my parent, or that I wasn't available or open at the time. And somehow I've turned that anger in on myself and I have decided that I am actually fundamentally flawed because in that moment, I didn't have the bandwidth mentally or emotionally. Mm. And to what you are saying is then, Being a good parent to ourselves, finding ways to self-soothe, finding ways to reparent ourselves, finding ways to let ourselves off the hook, because staying and ruminating in those emotions does us no good. And it really harms our bodies in the long run.
0: Yeah, I like um, changing the channel
1: yeah, sometimes we need to because we're like dogs in brain rot. You know, you're licking a hot spot. There's something wrong with me. There's something flawed with me. There's something I did. I'm so bad, blah,. We need to change the channel in those moments because we are out of alignment with the truth of who we are,
0: yeah. i um I remember going to a Tony Robbins seminar. and um, and he talked about you need to find ways to achieve joy and happiness that don't cost anything so they're quick go-to things so i remember writing it down and putting it on my fridge where it's like okay happiness to me is smelling the roses it's going for a hike it's you know being in nature so i knew when i needed to change my channel that i could do really quickly i could change the channel and watch something i really loved (laughs) by going and doing these things and it helped me train that and create that muscle So I have this little hike in my neighborhood where all the old homes have original rose bushes that actually smell because, Mm -hmm. you know, roses don't smell anymore. And I am the happiest person in the world when I get to go inhale my neighbor's roses. (laughs) And so you have to be able to realize that you can change the channel. You don't have to sit in those emotions. You don't have to, you know, be brought down Um, you know, a lot of times we're, we, something comes in and then we catastrophize and we go on these horrible other paths and, you know, changing the channel is so important. I really like, I like that terminology. I always say shift and I always just say something comes in and it's negative and I don't like it. I'm like, no, I don't want that. What do I want? And then I start dreaming and I'm like, oh, I want this and I want that. I do that all day. I'm in the car driving. What do I want? I literally am just trying to stay in what do I want mode rather than, you know, leaving the space free for all the shit to come in because I'll start catastrophizing. I'll start thinking all the worst things all the time. Yeah. Thoughts come in all the time.
1: Yeah. And what you're talking about is really like a, a mental fitness routine.
0: Yeah. It really is. But I learned that with Dr. Joe, I learned that we're in control of our thoughts or we can be more in control of our thoughts stuff's yeah. going to come no matter what but we can redirect and we have agency but i didn't know that before mm. and and it's really been helpful and i think it adds to your joy because you can think about the things that are going to make you feel good and you know he talks about thoughts having so much power and if you think your thoughts can make you sick well they can make you well too so, I want my thoughts to make me well. I've had enough of the thoughts making me sick. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, what are you doing now in your daily practice for you, Chris, every day? What are your kind of like routines? Do you have a, you know, some routine that shifts? Do you have something you do every day that's non negotiable?
1: I do. You know, this is a very, very busy season for me because I'm in a book launch. So um, I look for things that are simple to do, that don't take a lot of time, that I can get done and that I can stick to. And so there's a couple of very basic things because I know that when I'm fueling my joy, that I bring more goodness into my life, right? And I know in times when we're we're called to work harder for whatever reason, and whatever that season is. I'm thrilled to be doing the work that I'm doing right now. I'm going to be putting in more hours. And so I have to be thoughtful about, first and foremost, my energy. Mm-hmm. And so for me, everything comes down to my energy and how I'm feeling and how I'm I'm helping strengthen it. And so I have a huge smoothie. It's probably about 24 ounces every single morning without fail. That is my breakfast. It starts my day in a very fiber-fueled, wonderful, nutritious way. I um, will probably do either a journal, a little journal session, not long. We're talking like 10 minutes or a meditation or read some inspirational text, something like that, that puts me in the pocket and um, reminds me of the bigger reason why I'm here in the first place. Um... I'll just back up that I, without fail, every single day I start my day with a thank you. And it's usually thanking my body for another opportunity and another day to be here. And at the end of the day, it might have been a shit day. And I've been, I could be complaining to my husband and, you know, wanting to pile drive wine. (laughs) But the day starts (laughs) with (laughs) thank you, body. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I can't guarantee how it's going to end, but I know how it's going to start. But honestly, when I do these things, the day does tend to unfold in grace filled ways. And um, and I move. That's probably the secret to it is like when we want more energy, we have to actually spend it. And so um, I make sure that I move every single day doesn't have to be a very intense workout or something like that. It could be a walk at the end of the day. That's just a way for me to mentally unwind. Um, but that's kind of like a non-negotiable for me.
0: I love it. Is there anything that you feel like you've done? Like, I know someone's listening to this and like, what do you think that worked to keep everything at bay? Is it is it a combination of a lot of things did you do lymphatic stuff like is there do you do lymphatic stuff by the way
1: yeah well i i jump on my trampoline you know um there's a lot of different things i i would say first of all i don't i don't credit myself i always say that if it's the nature of my disease or the nature of my choices i'm okay either way um but i do know that the overall diet and lifestyle philosophy that I focus on is about creating an anti-inflammatory lifestyle path. So going back to those five pillars um, and looking at your energy as if it is the greatest resource that you have. And it's not just your physical energy, it's your psychic energy and uh, your mental energy. And so there isn't a magic combination and there isn't a magic pill um there isn't a fad there isn't a latest trend you know, I was just watching the um, the blue zones series on Netflix which is so great because it's kind of what I've been practicing and teaching for 20 years and th- what I've been teaching is been the the foundation of like health and well-being well long before I even knew anything about it you know these are practices that people have been doing for I don't even know how long. And um, it's all so simple. And I think that's the biggest message that I'd want to share with somebody is, are you drinking water? Are you moving your body? Are you eating your fruits and vegetables? Are you connecting with friends and family or community in a way that helps you feel connected and that keeps you from feeling isolated and lonely? Are you prioritizing your joy? You know, these are very, very simple things, but they strengthen our immunity and they strengthen our hunger for life. Mm, well
0: put. How how do you do the psychic and mental energy thing? <laughs> I, I haven't heard someone talk about protecting their psychic energy.
1: Yeah. Well, for me, it's really about what I allow in. Um, and so... I feel very connected to my intuition. I feel very connected to the science and synchronicity and to, you know, energy around me. And so um, I have to be thoughtful about what I take in because, uh, first and foremost, I'm very empathetic. So I can start to feel the weight of the world is on my shoulders. Meanwhile, I'm not responsible for that specific story that I just read about, but I will think I'm responsible and then I have to figure it out for this person. Right. And so. Um, Just being mindful about what I let in, because it it, whether we're aware of it or not, it can start to erode our joy and erode our sense of um, freedom and our sense of well-being. You know what I mean? Like these things impact us. I think we're more sensitive than we think we are. It doesn't mean that we should be in news bubbles. It just means that we need to be thoughtful about how much we take in and when we take it in. Yeah. I agree. Uh, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I definitely <laughs> know. Um, I've taken a news break for many, many years. Uh, outside of an occasional Twitter feed, you know, let's make sure we know the major shit that's happening so we don't, we're don't we not totally, you know, out of it. Yeah. But um, the fear-mongering local news where it's like, this person was shot in this city, and I, it's just too much. Um, but um I lost my train of thought now um oh what I was gonna say is this was amazing at some point I would love to have you come back and really focus on those five pillars with our audience yeah I'd love to and and what you have found to be successful in in people's healing journeys within those five pillars I think that would be really great
1: that would be a pleasure Um,
0: so thank you. But for now, yeah, we're going to plug the book right after this in the close. Um, but, um, but thank you. This was amazing. And your journey is amazing. And, um, I'm so grateful for your example of, of how to just kind of live and thrive despite and And not just being so glued to a diagnosis and and thinking the worst, because I think that's just the easiest thing it because that's what we're taught. We're taught here a diagnosis. This is how we're supposed to react. Everyone's supposed to cry. And you know, and by the way, we do that. it's just yeah. there's also a way to actually move out of that and move forward. And I mm-hmm. think that's really important,
1: thank you. I appreciate all the work that you're doing and the example that you're setting to and really all the personal work that you're doing, because it's really beautiful and it's truly revolutionary. And I think it is what it's all. Of. That's what healing is about what you're doing. Thank you. Thanks. Well, I think we're going to get to meet in Connecticut at some point. That would be fun. I would love that.
0: Our house flooded last December um, and between the cancer and the baby and all of that we're just starting the renovation now. So we won't be there probably for a good six months, but when we are there, we should connect.
1: Let's Um, do that. You know, I, but Marie Forleo is my closest sister. Stop it. Yeah. 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 We've been besties for probably about 15 years and yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, you know, even before I got the chance to meet you, she's always just said such beautiful things about you. So I, I know we're going to be in each other's orbits.
0: Oh, for sure. Are you friends with Gabby as well? Yeah.
1: Dear, dear friend. So
0: funny. So when Gabby came and sat on the couch, she goes, you and I were going to be best friends. Like instantly. (laughs) I'm like, okay. And so when I found out she was in Connecticut, I go, we definitely are going to be besties. So when I got to Connecticut the next time, it was just at like Thanksgiving break. My husband and I drove out. I think it was like two hours. And she's like, wow, you really are committed. I go, "Well, well, if we don't do it, we're never going to do it. Like we just got to yeah. go. So, um, when we're back there, we will connect and yeah, um, it'll be fun. We'll
1: all get together. That would be so fun.
0: Well, let us know how else we can be helpful. We'll social out the book and, um, and all of that. So if there's anything else that we can do, let us know. Thank you. I appreciate it. Of course. Well, have a great day and you we'll too. talk soon. Okay. Well, that brings us to the close of a really good two-parter with Chris Carr. I'm going to go to Kevin Undergaro on the couch. He has a lot of
2: thoughts. Uh, I'm just super (laughs) impressed by her and her story. I think there's a lot of great takeaway. Um, Just a lot of stuff. Just from the beginning. Uh,
0: Watch and live. Her doctor saying, watch and live. Well,
2: Well, back up. He said with the cancer... Let's 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 watch, sit back and watch and let cancer make the first move. Mm-hmm. And she was like, Well, then what do I do? You go, go. watch and live your life. Yeah. But I was gonna say, Mary, what really impressed me was the opening was your sentiment, BCO of your own health. Um, you know, she said the first part of her journey is to be your own medical advocate. Yeah. See your health as a business. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, and this is a real Tough one that I don't know anyone who's ever willing to do, or very rarely replace people if they are not performing, just like in a business. Yeah. So when you have healthcare practitioners who are not performing, they're not listening to you, um, they're disregarding you, whatever the case is, they're not making the time, you replace them. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that was great. And I think also the fact she said, you may not live in an area that has the right people. Yeah. Be ready to travel. That's what I've told people too. Yeah. So I thought that was. To
0: go to the best, guys. I know it's not easy, but you have to know that your health is that fragile. You cannot have a hacker <laughs> come in and do this. You've got to have the best.
2: Well, she said you need a collaborator. Yeah.
0: I said collaborator too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You both said collaborator. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. <laughs> um, but uh also um just kind of getting past even just the perfectionism of needing to get a perfect scan, I fully identify with. And I know a lot of people who are listening are going to as well. You know, we're on these health journeys and sometimes I get disappointed that things aren't happening faster as well. Cause I'm like, God, I'm doing all the right things. And why am I not seeing faster results? Well, it's all good stuff to do. It's a hundred percent fact that it's good to have a good circadian rhythm It's good to eat whole foods, clean, you know, foods. It's 100% fact to make sure you're drinking your wine.
2: Well, she said lower the bar.
0: So doing all these things isn't in vain. You're doing them for your future health. And the stuff, the past decisions and choices that have accumulated to this maybe disease in this moment might take longer to get past. So it really is having empathy for ourselves and saying, well, this is how I wanna live this next chapter of my life. I'm not gonna put um, markers or benchmarks on, okay, I'll only keep doing it and putting in the work if I see these visible results right away. And also, we don't need to look at our health like, oh, I can't have all these other things and still be healthy. I consider myself a very healthy, vibrant person. If you look under the hood, or if you go into my chart at the doctor office, which young residents go in and they think that they're dealing with some really different person. And they look at me and then they leave the room and they go talk to my doctor. And then he tells me later that they were like, this can't be her. So... I am a very vibrant, healthy person, despite what my medical records would say. And I think it's because I am making better choices and I'm choosing to watch and live.
2: Well, also, you you know, she said what she could control, she's going to control, but knowing she can't control everything. Mm -hmm. And one of the things she was saying is, you know, you know, you're going to have setbacks. Yes. So then if you know you're going to have setbacks. You're ready. And then she said she lowers the bar. So it's not, I have to get this perfect diagnosis. I ha- no. like mm-hmm. Think about her life. To always go and be like, yeah, the 20 plus tumors are still there. Mm-hmm. So she had to get right with, okay, you know, so I'm just going to do my best every day. Know that there's going to be setbacks and I have to manage them. And the other thing she said is, you know, she started learning how to manage her emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about on the show all the time how deeply the emotions are attached to what's going on. And with that awareness so i thought that was um that was super impressive you you talked about being okay with a b plus rather than always needing the a
0: (laughs) that's because you
2: always say that to me something has to give or your body will give it's just physics
0: yeah yeah and that's what happens friends really listen to that part go back and rewind we'll put a clip out on instagram because What she was saying leading up to it really is just so important. And I think why I started this fall season talking about unwinding and, and let's see what we can take off of our plate. Your body and your mind can only do so much. I'm not trying to limit us because I do believe that we can do anything we put our mind to, but if you are not feeling you're most energetic, and you're exhausted, or something's hurting, or whatever. you can't just shush your body. And you can't shush your mind. And I did so much of that. And it led me to very specific places that I think you all know. Now we're making lemonade. Here we are on Heel Squad. But I shushed my body forever, because I thought it was about everything else. And it really was about my health. And it should have been and now it is. So for example, in the middle of the interview with Chris, I said, Chris, I have to take a break. I'm going to do something that I never used to really do, but I have to use the restroom and I'm not going to sit here and hold it and suffer. (laughs) You have to make loving choices. That's why at night I take stock of the day. What did I do that was loving to myself? And what did I do that wasn't? The wasn't part reminds me that I have to be better about those things. And then what I did reminds me, oh, I actually took an action, like saying I need to stop and go use the restroom, Um, stopping when the kettle's running hot and you just are like, I just need five minutes. I'm just going to go walk outside. You have to start doing things that are loving to yourself. And that's why I think taking something off your calendar, meaning like take something off your plate that you have added on from now until December till the end of this year, take something off. Leave some space for something to come into your life. When we fill our schedules so much, we have no space for our our mental health. Because when you leave a little bit of space, you can have some freedom with your mind, with your body, with your soul. Things flow in, things flow out. And you're so regimented and full, you can't. I remember Lori Bregman, the doula that has helped us throughout the years. She's a good friend of mine. We sat down while I was working at E. And we took stock of my life and my career. And she looked at it and we wrote it all down. She goes, There's no room for a baby here. And she was so right. There was no room for a baby. How is a baby going to flow into my life? I had zero time. I made zero time. And look, she flowed in at the right time (laughs) and she had plenty of space to come in. So, whether it's a baby or something you want to do in your career or you want your health in a better place. Take the action of of giving that space. And then I loved how she went and took cooking classes. You know, a lot of us, um, we just kind of throw our hands up in the air. They're like, that's not my thing, whether it's finances or whatever. But sometimes you need to make it somewhat of your thing. Get the basics down. Understand.
2: I think it was more than that, too, Maria. I think it was her way of taking self, the control she could control, number one. Number two, probably was occupational therapy to mm-hmm. be doing that. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and it's an act of self-love. Yes. Like, I'm making this time for myself.
0: Who you were going to take a cooking class, you said, so you could cook for Athena. When are you going to do it?
2: Uh, I'm probably going to now.
0: Aww. Yeah, um, uh.
2: something interesting, too. Okay. Um, I hope I didn't lose it. Um. We can't amputate any of our emotions Ugh. and expect to be whole. Yeah. So in other words, instead of just, you know, cutting out. Anger. Yeah. You know, sh- you have to process it. And that's where I really appreciated. She was talking about, you know, getting to the root causes, which her book covers, of why we have certain emotions. And then she quoted Dr. Gabor Matei, who we've had on the show. Mm-hmm. Who said that um control is a trauma response. Yeah. And she was very it seems sound like she was very controlling yeah. going into this. And and I, I and forgot
0: I forgot that he said that because obviously I've gone through a lot of traumas and yeah. that's why I was very controlling.
2: Yes. It's a trauma response. I don't know who hasn't so, gone through any trauma, but right. Well, we all deal with it in different yeah. ways. And um but but anyway, when she started getting to the root of that, rather than amputating that emotion and expecting herself to be whole. That was one of the things that she was able to dig at that i thought was really cool and i think um her journey began with you know putting better food into her body but she said you know it started with what she was eating and then part two of it was
0: what was eating her yes oh so good guys i hope you enjoyed this and this conversation share with us below in the comments if you're watching this on youtube if you're listening to this if you have a second, just go into the summary, click on the link for the Apple podcast review and share with us. Um, I hope you guys are um, are going to take some of this into your lives and find a way to unwind and, yeah. and, and love yourself a little bit more. And we're just grateful to be on this journey with you. Thank you for being part of the Heal Squad. We love you. Be nice people, make good choices and be present.